0: Hi folks, I'm Greg Harton, the editorial page editor for the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette and your host for Speaking of Arkansas. In this episode, I'm joined by Democrat Gazette editor Rusty Turner as we have a conversation with the University of Arkansas's Chancellor Joe Steinmetz. Chancellor Steinmetz became the sixth chancellor in the University of Arkansas's 147-year history three years ago. He's at the helm of the Fayetteville campus where just more than 26,000 students are enrolled this spring semester. The university employs more than 4,600 people. In our conversation, we visited about the university's efforts to promote diversity and inclusion, whether it's about recruiting and retaining students or providing research-based knowledge for companies in their hiring efforts. And we talked about a planned arts and design district in South Fayetteville, a a south campus, if you will, uh, from the main uh, UA campus. We also talked about safety on campus from sexual assault to guns on campus to the recent death of a student killed as she was hit in a crosswalk we talked about the ua's economic impact on the state and whether anyone needs to come to the rescue of mullins library on the campus i really appreciate you listening to our podcast and hope you enjoy this visit with chancellor steinmetz chancellor steinmetz thanks for being here it's a pleasure um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit today about a variety of issues about the University of Arkansas. Um, uh, you recently released a study that talked about the spending, I guess, of the university or the, the economic impact of the, the university. Um, why was it important to you to to release that information right now? Uh, I assume it's has something to do with the fact that the legislature is in session. Uh, but what are you trying to communicate with that?
1: I think... Um probably more than just the economic impact that's in that study, which is a big number, It was $2.2 billion, which was a billion dollars more than just five years ago and in a tripling of of the amount from uh, five years before that. But I think it's a message about the overall impact that the university has um, in Northwest Arkansas, first of all, and then across the entire state. And you can do this numerically by, by you know, breaking down everything from money spent on construction costs to salaries that are, that are, that are created and paid and, and also the tax base and the contributions to the tax base. But I think like it overall it really is emphasizing that this university has an impact that goes beyond the most important one. Which is the education of students that have this kind of intellectual impact on this on the state as well. The timing is not um, is not a mistake. Um, legislators are in session, and I think to remind legislators and 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 others in the state of this importance uh, is a good thing.
0: So, how do you expect that to play out in the legislature? Uh, what what's the funding situation uh, in Arkansas and? And what are you hoping to see out of this session?
1: I think that um, I consider us overall, when I compare ourselves to the surrounding states as well as uh, colleagues from around the country, that we're in a pretty good position uh, when it comes to the support that the state gives to the university. And um, we're, we're happy with that. We've gone into a um, productivity funding model that's based on our retention and graduation of our students more than it is just counting the number of heads. I think that's a very highly positive thing. We're doing well in those th- those res- respect. And some uh, additional money came um, into the system when that was introduced with a nine and a half million dollars. I think that was put into into higher ed at the at the time. And so. Um, I, I, I really think that um, my expectation is, is that they'll understand, they being uh, legislators and others that, that are in Little Rock and across the state, again, of the importance of the university and the impact it, it actually has. What, how that translates into funding, um, I'm, I'm hopeful but uh, do also know the, and realize the pressures there are on the state where things like highways and, and uh, in other issues that, that there are that need funding as well.
0: One of the big talking points down there is highways and, um, and some discussion about shifting general revenue, some general revenue toward uh, highways uh, because of their popularity as, as uh, community projects. Um, does that give you any concern to see uh, that that sort of funding uh, discussion happening?
1: Yes, that gives me a lot of concern to, to, to see that shift of general revenue money um, with with the tax base of what it is and and the number the the amount of money that actually flows into the in into the general revenue pot. I'd hate to see it diluted where there are other needs in education. So um, I'm not a fan of
0: using general revenue fund for highways. Um, now you've talked a little bit uh, recently as well about uh, inclusivity uh, on campus. Uh, I think that uh, takes a couple of different tracks. One is this uh, institute that uh, that uh, you guys are developing, and, and the other is more in terms of... Um, Uh, student uh, diversity and inclusion Uh, touch on both of those for us uh, as far as what the university is doing
1: I think if we look at the experience of our students itself we owe it to the students that the university reflects the world that's around them and that includes the diversity that's here in the state of Arkansas and I might add the diversity that are in the country in general and I think the reason that this is important is um, students are going to have to go out and uh, deal with the environment that they're in, in companies, or businesses, in education, or wherever they land after they leave the university. And so that exposure at the university during their education, I think, is critical. So we've uh, developed the Ideals Institute, and, and as a mechanism for um, c- coming up with best practices uh, in, in uh, both the div- diversifying the university as well as the issue of inclusivity. Uh, why is inclusivity Im- important? Um, I-, I think to retain uh, students here as-, as well as I might add faculty and staff, it also applies in those areas as well. I think students and faculty and staff have to feel that they're at home at, at the, in the university and, in, in, and uh, in, in Fayetteville here. So that's a goal of the Ideals Institute by developing research and best practices and education and training that goes along with um, how do we promote diversity and inclusion here. So those are the major reasons. And one other feature is that I have spoken at length to uh, businesses in the state, particularly those that are in northwest Arkansas, who also um, are very sensitive to diversity and inclusion issues um, um, in their businesses and in particularly in this region, and um, have expressed a need Uh, in a role that the university could play in the uh, education and training and and whatnot that goes on to promote diversity and inclusion in in the business community as well. So that's another goal of the Ideals Institute. Sort of
0: an
2: outreach from the university to the business community. Exactly. So Chancellor, uh, uh, to follow up on that, um, improving diversity or or making the, the, the student body at the University of Arkansas more diverse. Uh, has been a goal for a long time. Several chancellors have have, have tackled it, um, and there's been some some improvement. But um, uh, certainly, you can't look at the diversity numbers and, and 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 say that you've met those goals or that or that you've exceeded those goals. So, what's different now about the effort to recruit and include uh, more diverse? Um, student population?
1: A couple of things. We have made improvements as an institution. I think we're probably by numerically more diverse now overall than we've ever been as an institution. Around 20% or something is it of our student body anyway. Um, and then uh, uh, what's important though is that we Take apart that number and make sure we're promoting diversity as it reflects the state itself. And so, one of the areas we've not done well in at all, in fact, we've backtracked a little bit, is in a, in our recruitment of African American students. And um, I, I uh, that's one area that we're we're um, making changes and in, in doing things to improve um, th- those, b- both from the um, recruitment side as well as the retention and, and that issue of inclusivity that I just spoke about. So I think some of the other things that we're paying a little bit more attention to that I think are, are helpful is that um, it's also important that the faculty and staff be diverse and have the same feeling of inclusion because they provide education and models for the student body in, in general. And so having a diverse faculty, for example, um, is as important as it is having the in, in, in uh diverse uh, student body. And so um, we're developing uh, programs and, and best practices in the recruitment of a more diverse faculty as well as the student body itself. And I think we're paying more attention to that uh, these days. And I think the creation of the Ideals Institute is a different kind of idea because it, it, it's more than just a cheerleading function uh, for the diversity and inclusion but, um, area, but really um, an institute that is designed to create and do research on what works, and, and most importantly, perhaps, what doesn't work in promoting diversity and inclusion. So this is a different way, I think, to look at um, the issue and to do something
0: about it. One of the, um, th- this was recently voted on by the Board of Trustees, and one of the trustees voted against the ideals uh, institute um uh expressing some concern that the university is perhaps imposing values or, or teaching values that might be in conflict with the state's more conservative voters i think is the way that uh or conservative residents uh is the way that uh, that was reported um why is that not a legit concern
1: um because i don't think we're imposing values as much as presenting the, the diverse picture and, and, and actually, I think, trying to present what society really looks like. And I think it's not values as much as it is um, r- really what um, it, it, what is necessary, I think, to deal effectively in our society these days. And um, at some times that may... Um, alter internal values that individual students have which is is fine for that uh, particular student but we're definitely not as a goal to sort of undermine or overturn values that have been instituted by families you know over the 18 years that they've previously been in the university Um, but we want well-prepared students we want students that are sensitive about others, um, that understand others, um, where other people come from and, and, uh, and, and what other people do.
0: Well, certainly, the, certainly there's a lot of global sort of, uh, initiatives going on in the state of Arkansas, and, and, uh, uh you can't really build a, a wall around the state, uh, and, uh, so we're dealing with that's a lot a, of, a lot of different t- types of people.
1: That's a great point, and, uh, in the internationalization as part of this diversity effort where, um, Again, our students will deal with a environment that's much different than thirty years ago. We're we're much more uh, a globalized society and in where one if something happens in Arkansas it impacts the world and vice versa. So that's that's the other part of it, is to make sure that students understand this and get exposure to that.
0: Um, in a very tragic situation uh, here recently, uh, a student, Andrea Torres, was killed on campus um, walking across the street in a crosswalk and was struck by a driver who reportedly was was uh, using a cell phone. Um, that's not necessarily something that the chancellor has to deal with uh, uh, on a day-to-day basis in terms of those sorts of uh, societal behaviors, but uh, it really came, came to roost, uh, right there in a, in a sad situation. What, t- tell me a little bit about that situation, and is, is there a place for the university to play a role in that?
1: It's a very, very tragic and sad to, to lose a student, but, um, and, uh, and, and an accident that is avoidable, essentially. Um, we've tried hard on the crosswalks on the university to to make sure the signage and the signaling and, and everything that are at the crosswalks are um, are as good as that as we can make it, but it is a very um, it is a very dense uh, campus where there's a lot of people in a small area, and. Um, I think as a as a Chancellor dealing with it is well first of all the safety of all of our students is the num- perhaps maybe the number one concern and, and a lot of worry I have on a, on, a, on a daily basis about the general safety of, of the students um, and I think what our response is going to be is to just redouble our efforts on education about being aware of where you're at um, you can't I, I remember in In taking uh, driver's training when I was 16 years old, one of the messages that was delivered during driver's training is to drive defensively. I think we now need to educate, make sure our students understand they need to walk defensively. It doesn't only apply to when you're behind the wheel of a car, but um, just make the assumption that that car is not going to stop, regardless of how well the the crosswalks are designed. It's it's not going it, it it's not going to help you if if, if the driver isn't paying attention. So um, I've had discussions with uh, uh, some of our staff about again redoubling our efforts around education because it's a tragedy. We certainly don't want to see ever happen again.
2: Chancellor, just to, to follow up on on student safety. Um, another issue that's been been uh, 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 reported on a lot around the country has been uh, uh, you know issues of sexual assault on college campuses um, uh, reporting making sure that those uh, those those reports are dealt with in, 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 uh, in, in fair and in appropriate ways can you talk a little bit about what the University of Arkansas is doing to address the concerns that, had, that have bubbled up over the, over the last couple of years uh, with those reports.
1: Yes, the, the issues around Title IX and, and the um, directives that are coming from the federal government about Title IX are, are, are frankly frustrating in a lot of ways. So we went through a, a shift, a, a literal shift in the thinking, about um, around um, sexual assault and and rights of complainants versus rights of respondents and where that balance actually is, and then when a new presidential administration comes in, we're seeing a whole new set of guidelines that are different from just the ones that we were trying to um, trying to meet from three years ago. So that'll settle out eventually. There will be another set of regulations that, that we'll adjust to. But it really, in the long run, hasn't changed our approach. Number one, um, we do know that the education component around sexual assault and sexual misconduct is extremely important. It, it, it's, it's maybe preventable um, and um, it, with proper education, And so we've done a lot in the last couple of years to develop our educational programs. In fact, we mandated um, training now for incoming students. Um, 100% of the students that come in, uh, we have a program that they have to go through to be aware of of sexual assault, how to report it, um, how to help others avoid uh, situations, uh, how to help out, um, all kinds of issues around education. And then the next piece of it, is if something does happen is to design a system that's fair to both parties. And that's where the, the regulations have changed or are in the process of being changed from Washington. So um, I don't really think the regulation change will affect our approach in, the, in essence because we've tried to build a fair system from word go, from, from, you know, six or eight years ago and, and and have developed a system, I think that is fair. Um, but uh, it is uh, an issue nationally that's in the headlines a lot, and we, pay, we do pay a lot of attention
0: to it. A uh, similar issue, um, just in terms of it being uh, campus safety, uh, was really big a couple of years ago with the guns on campus debate. Uh, that has settled down just a little bit. With uh, the the law is there in terms of allowing these enhanced uh, carry uh, handguns on campus, um, uh, but it's it's not a front and center type of issue. What how has that played out on campus? Uh, is it is it a, a source of of kind of constant conversation there, or to, or has it really just settled down a lot?
1: I believe the con- conversation continues because um, we opposed it, continue to oppose it, because they, to me to introduce additional guns on campus isn't a way to become more safe. So with that said, the law was passed. We do follow the law, um, and, and we've tried to design um, our regulations so that it promotes uh, the safety element. To, to be honest, um, I, we don't, I don't think we've had an incident since the law was passed on campus. And that, that's a really true knock on wood situation because I know in conversations with Ch- Chief Gahagans, they're always worried about that situation where there's an active shooter that does happen, It's happened in other places, and then they can't tell good guys from bad guys. Or, or, or uh, you know, that, that scenario I think um, is something that uh, the, the police are always very concerned about. Um, and we have um, faculty and students and staff that continue to be nervous about the situation that, of, of increased numbers of guns. I hear from them uh, from, from time to time. But uh, we feel fortunate we haven't had uh, any kind of an incident since the, the law has actually changed. Um, but um, I, I, to this day, don't believe it. It, it was a, a good thing for college campuses
0: and it's it's set up in such a way that you, you really don't know to what extent uh, anyone is actually applying their newly legal right to to carry a handgun on campus yet and they don't yeah. report to you in terms of their whether they're going to carry a gun or not so it's 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 really just some of the fears are are you know, perhaps justified and some of them are perhaps unjustified because you really that, just don't
1: know. It's, that's a great point because before the gun law was adopted, I, I did talk to a president in the state of Texas who had, they had adopted a law a year or so before ours about what was the impact on your campus. And um, he made a prediction to me at this time is that there'll be an increased nervousness because there are those that believe that this isn't a good law, that will continue. But he said, to be honest, they didn't know who had guns and who didn't have guns before the law was passed. And um, so in his mind, there were, the impact on campus, he believed overall was, was minimal, except the fact that there is this... Um, Nervousness that exists, and I don't think that'll ever go away. That and that's that's part of my opposition um, to it is to the law itself. Was around, you know, that issue going forward.
2: Um, Chancellor, how about security on campus, uh, particularly when you have a you know sporting event, lots of visitors on campus, that sort of thing. Um, As are there? A, can you talk a little bit about what the university is doing or has done? Uh, to, to uh, improve or enhance security uh, on campus?
1: So it, it, we're concerned, particularly concerned, about um, you know, large gatherings. So we have stadiums full of people um, and you know, basketball arena full of people. Those are the venues you worry about a lot. And so there's been security plans that have been adopted for those that have, I think, beefed up the observation and, and, um, and, and the security plans. On campus itself, I think it did cause the um, UAPD to take a look at how do they respond to situations and how, how, if something happened in this scenario now with concealed carry, how do we deal with it versus how we may have dealt with it before so um, there have been adjustments that have been made, I think in the training of the officers, for example. Um, and uh, also, I, I uh, believe if we haven't already, we're in the process of adding a few more officers that we believe was, was important. And that sort of should have happened anyway as we increase the number of students on campus um, uh, because of just having more people around, more incidents of all kinds can happen. Um, so I think those were the, probably the, the major changes was to actually do planning for security ahead of time. Um, and um, I, I think our uh, UAPD under Chief Gehagen's is just a, a great job of keeping the campus safe.
0: Uh, I keep hearing from people around the community that uh, they need to work to save Mullin's library. <laughs> Um, I've heard also. Uh, yeah, the uh, you guys have definitely taken a new direction with the library, but is is a is there a need to save Mullins Library? No, I think
1: that um, it, there's there's um, Mullins Library is as vibrant and ex, and ex, I believe as accessible as it as it ever has been. So the issue is that I think has come up is a decision was made even before my arrival here. Um, uh, to build a, an off-site storage facility for a large part of the collection. Um, this is not uh, um, this is not the first university that's done this. Uh, when I was at the University of Kansas as Dean of uh, Liberal Arts and Sciences, they opened up a facility. There's been a facility at Ohio State for years, and um, they made that decision. Um, probably five or six years ago to do that here as well. And part of the issue is the difference in which libraries are used now versus when, and the function that, that they have are different than when uh, the stacks were you know, the, the main feature of the library. Um, books continued in journals, et cetera, continue to be um, main features of a library but the way we access those features have changed dramatically. It's the digital age now, um, has uh, produced the ability to um, have parts of the collection that's not necessary to even walk into the library to get the, the book that, that you want. And even the browsing type software that's available that allows you to see the books that are around the book that you want, which is what happens. And that's the beauty of browsing um, is, is even there. Um, So I'm, you know, I've heard the same kind of arguments in the other campuses that I've been uh, associated with, but I think the Mullins uh, uh, librarians have done a great job of keeping uh, access to the collection open and and available with delivery services and all kinds of things, and at the same time, meet the need for things like study spaces and, and other uses in the library that have developed as the campus has grown And also, the needs of the library have changed. So um, it's it's uh, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not afraid that Mullins is closing anytime soon.
0: So uh, for the people who have those concerns, are they just are they kind of living in? In what used to be the, the demand on a library and, and, and trying to plug that into a more modern university? Or? Yeah, I, th- I think it goes beyond that. I think there is the styles of
1: scholarship, for example. I'm very familiar as an arts and science dean of two different universities in the past of the way in which humanists, for example, and anyone in the humanities or a lot of people in the humanities access collection. And um, it goes like the following: They go after a book they know that's there, but they look to the left and look to the right of all the other books that are there. That's a browsing function, and that's what is difficult to do when you're when you're at a when you, when you've taken the books off to a, a, a site. So that's what I mean about creating. Uh, ways in which you're virtually browsing is important, and th- I think those those are developments that are under underway for the library. But it's a different kind of uh, it's a change uh, uh, in the way scholarship is done, and I can totally understand why people why people are upset about that change. Um, as a, uh, my field is neuroscience, and if if somebody came to me and said, you're going to have to change the way that you do your your, your neuroscience, I think I would be upset until I uh, adjusted
0: as well. The um, UA recently set out three signature research areas. Um, the uh, Help me to understand exactly how that will be applied. Does that mean that if you don't... Technically, fall within one of those areas that maybe the UA is not the place for you to be, or how do, how do you apply those sorts of things, and why is it important to have kind of a three three tier uh, uh, research emphasis?
1: So, um, to to address the the second part of that, it's um, it, it we're a comprehensive research university. That's our identity. And you only get that identity by making sure the research is broad and covers areas that that reflects that comprehensiveness. And so um, really it doesn't mean that we are not supporting the research that doesn't directly fall into one of these three areas. We'll continue to support that. But what we are saying is we have particular areas we think that we can emphasize our investment in. Um, And these areas have existing strengths, first of all, um, and then can um, even become, I think, um, a a better signature for us as a university with additional investments. And and I think that helps us reputationally, um, not only in the areas we invest in, but when people start paying attention to you as a major research university and a major presence, they look at everything you do, and so we we really believe we can become um, national and world leaders in a few areas that will that'll put a spotlight on the entire university.
0: Now is that driven by the availability of funding uh, that that is perhaps not as much in demand by other universities, and and so you've got an opportunity to go get that, or is it driven by? The idea that the University of Arkansas can actually make a huge impact that no other university is doing within those areas.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's a little of, of both that's in there. So I, I've told the faculty since the d- day I interviewed in October of 2015 that I've never believed in what I call the peanut butter approach. And the peanut butter approach is you take the available resources that you have and you spread it as thinly as you can across the university, hoping that something happens. And um, that, I've never seen that, that um, work um, to uh, increase their research reputation or to really facilitate, in general, the work that goes on at, at the university. So I think targeted investments, which these signature areas are really defining, is a way to help us guide where resources need to go to get that incremental improvement that in general as a research university that attracts attention. So that's, the, that's one purpose. But the other purpose really is we have some excellent areas of expertise that we believe will put us on the map as being the world leader in um, a national leader in that particular area. And if you want an example of that, I can use food science as an example, where we have representations in our sciences and in agriculture and across the, the whole university in some very, very good programs that, um, that, that, I, that, that we believe uh, with some additional investment can, can really um, catch the national eye. And why is catching the national eye important? Well, investments across the board in any of the research um, areas really require that somebody from the outside is taking a look at you and say, that's a place that has great science and great humanities and great arts that's going on. Um, that's a place worth investing in.
0: Um, those, those three areas we talked about are harnessing the data evolution, revolution, uh, enriching human health and community vibrancy, and promoting a resilient and sustainable future fairly broad, yes, uh, so I'll, I suspect that can cover a lot of territory. Yeah, and,
1: and what will happen is that in, in fact, you can probably pull up the websites of other universities and take a look at their research profile. And you'll see similar um, clustering of, of areas. In fact, the advancing the data revolution is, um, is, is a great example of that. There's other universities that are working in data science as well. Um, but what's very different is each university has a different uh, set of emphases within those particular areas. And I'll give you a couple of examples here. We have, a, in engineering, a wonderful power electronics group. And they do, um, first of all, they're very, very well funded from the federal government. So they'll, they'll fit in nicely into that resiliency area. Um, because that's what that's what it's all about is how can how can you make power supplies, for example, that are smaller, better, uh, run cheaper, that that sort of thing. So that all fits into it. So um, so that that means that th- that's a development within that general area that we can do better than anybody else. And so from this really this point on, it's. Finding what are those niches that we actually have under these three areas, and if you go over, the arts are one of those. Where we've made a major investment creating a school of art um, that will that will serve as one of those k- kinds of uh, signature differences for us. Even though others may be doing things in 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 that area, um, it's a signature for us.
2: Ch- Chancellor, I've heard you refer to the. Uh uh, the focus on the School of the Arts and the forty million dollar gift from the Wingate Foundation as a game changer for the university. Um, uh, could you kind of elaborate on that and 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 let the listeners know what that exactly means to them uh, uh, as a game changer?
1: Yeah, it's it's. I think it's no secret that if you look from the post recession time of two thousand eight or two thousand nine, there's been uh, some uh, are running away from the arts in the sense they're, they're things that get cut early um, when, 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 and sometimes considered extra. And, and even in the sense that um, arts programs in high schools and in elementary schools have been, been cut, et cetera. So um, I think by game changer, we really mean that the university has this opportunity to take a leading role in promoting the continuity and in, in the future of the arts. And um, it provides also internally some things that we weren't able to do. A big part of the reasoning and behind this um, effort is also to extend art education and art exposure across the whole university, not only to students and faculty that are interested in art and want to major in it, but that engineer or that philosopher or that, or that um, uh, uh, person in food science that also has that interest because it provides the kind of um, faculty and enhanced faculty that enables us to expose the campus widely to art as well as the community, and, and I might add also the state of Arkansas so, so itself. But, so by game changer, I mean, it will put us at the forefront of a a university that cares about the arts and more than that can deliver art education and art exposure to large numbers of of people. And and I think that's extremely important for the future of of the arts because we need educated citizens that that value and and know what um, exposure to the arts can actually do for them.
0: Uh, that project is particularly important to the people of Fayetteville, I think, because of a project that the city of Fayetteville is proposing, the Arts Corridor, uh, that is on the ballot in April uh, for funding, uh, potential funding. And uh, that, that corridor would, would, as you know, it would connect uh, the Walton Arts Center, Theater Squared, the Fayetteville Public Library, and and go down south to where this Art and Design District uh, that, that you're talking about uh, will be. Uh, I've been a little bit fuzzy on exactly how the university's part of that, uh, what that will look like, what, and, and you guys are in the middle of planning that, but help me to understand in the context of this uh, sort of public project that Fayetteville wants to do, how it ties into what the university is trying to do.
1: Yeah, I think there's a, when you, when you think about art, um, you think not only of, of the ability to go into a gallery and see art, but there's the making of art and also the education about art that are, are two components. I believe those two components, uh, art making as well as the art education will be the huge role will play in the arts corridor as, as sort of the anchor for the city on those, those two issues. Um, and, uh, and education also extends into the history of art and to other things that are very of interest to, um, to Crystal Bridges and, and other, uh, other concerns that, that are around uh, Northwest Arkansas. So uh, in a lot of ways, having like a southern anchor of this corridor a place where included in the programming that's part of the arts district is the um, arts education for the community. It's a piece of what will go on there. I think that's extremely, extremely important. It, it'll make Fayetteville a very unique place, um, and th- that's why I'm excited about it. Uh,
0: so much of the university, if 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 I'm not a enrolled student or a faculty member, you know, I'm a Ride my bike by there, or drive by, or walk by, and and these are just buildings that that I pass. They're not th- they're not buildings that necessarily invite me in. You know, make me necessarily uh, feel like I'm not unwelcome, but but you know, I'm not a student. Um, so is is you're talking? Are you talking about something different down here with the, as part of this arch corridor where these UA facilities would actually be a place that invites the community in?
1: Well, Greg, you're first of all welcome in any building you <laughs> want to come into. But no, I appreciate I, that. I, I think really the um, idea is as part of the programming will be very overt and advertised. So this is an, is an opportunity to come into the facility if you're part of, uh, you, you know, you live in Fayetteville or in the area uh, for our arts education and in things that are community oriented. It was a big piece of that of that gift from the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation, a huge piece of it was the link to the community. It was was important, um, and we really believe it's what actually makes the arts thrive, and it's it's not good enough just to educate some people that happen to be on campus about the arts, but how can you actually um, infiltrate into the entire community um, the arts experience so um, the design of the facility is incorporating that idea as well
0: uh, let's make sure we're clear on this you've got two different uh, uh, awards from foundations one from the Walton Family Foundation and one from Wingate that's correct that's
1: correct so the the way I look at it, it's the 120 million dollar gift that came from the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation is for the programming side. So that is hiring faculty. It's providing graduate student support for um, graduate students that are in our MFA programs. It's providing undergraduate scholarships. It's also providing funds um, uh, for hiring faculty and funds for this community outreach, which is all on the programming side. The Wingate uh, Foundation money is bricks and mortar money. It's it's specifically set up to develop the square block that's over on Martin Luther King to develop an arts and design district, which is studios and education space itself. So it's the buildings in which the programs are are um,
0: are housed. And that was a forty million dollar gift. Um, you're certainly welcome to take a position, but I'm not asking you to necessarily take a position on the city of Fayetteville's bond issue related to the arts corridor but ha- how important is the arts corridor to to what you're doing down there
1: I, th- I think the arts corridor would help us tremendously in the link to the to the community itself and and also perhaps in helping us to um, to really support the arts which w- is what we're we're trying to do so we're we're we've essentially put a flag down saying we are um, we want to be, um, engaged in the arts and promoting the arts. It's education, it's, it's consumption, it's production, et cetera. And a, the community p- piece of that's extremely important. So I think the Arts Corridor helps us with that outreach mission, that outreach part of it, which is, I, I think, uh, uh, I'm looking forward to.
0: Um, a couple of other issues that are, one, this one's a little strange, I think, but Arkansas is getting casinos, sports betting. We've heard some discussions lately about uh, some concerns uh, from uh, uh, higher institutions of or, or institutions of higher education about uh, the effect that sports betting might have on them. Do uh, you have concerns there?
1: Yeah, any time you have uh, college athletics with... Um, with amateurs, and you have, uh, in our particular case, 450 student athletes. I'm always leery of anything that could compromise those athletes and and um, tempt those athletes or or whatever. And and so that's a, that's a real concern. Um, and um, you know, I'm I'm neutral about betting in general. You know, that's you know doesn't. It's not my cup of tea, so to speak, but I, I do totally understand why people enjoy it, and it's it's a it's an experience for them. But um, um, it's there's a lot in the NCAA rule book to take you know that we, we have to be uh, aware of, and uh, adding additional pressure of gambling that's going on in sight and in the state is 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 uh, troublesome to me.
0: Uh, is there anything the University of Arkansas can do to? influence that?
1: Well, I think our athletic director, together with the athletic director of the other Division 1 schools, have come out pretty strong in the opposition there is to, and in, in really to make sure that the rules, once they're set up, um, are, are um, such that we minimize the risk, um, and again, we're, we're, um, minimize the risk of compromising our student-athletes. Um, so, um, I think that that's what we can do, is just lobby along those lines. Whether we'll be effective, I have no idea.
0: Okay, Chancellor, uh,
1: anything else you want to touch on today? No, just say that I'm closed out on, been here for three years and two months. And uh, both Sandy and I absolutely love Fayetteville, um, love the university and life here in northwest Arkansas. So. I feel uh, blessed in, in every day that goes by that I have this opportunity, so I'm, I'm, every day is an exciting day for me.
0: Very good. Well, we are re- really appreciate your time being here today and wish you well in all of your endeavors. Thank you. I appreciate that. Right. Thank you, Chancellor. Thank you. There you have it, folks. Thanks to Chancellor Joe Steinmetz for joining us today. Thanks to you for listening. If you've got some feedback on this podcast or suggestions for a future edition, drop me an email at gharton, that's h-a-r-t-o-n, at n-w-a-d-g.com. As always, you can find all, all of our news, sports, opinion, features, photos, and other information daily in print and online in the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Just visit nwaonline.com slash subscribe to learn more. If you'd like to learn more about Chancellor Steinmetz and his leadership, visit chancellor.uark.edu. That's it for this episode. I really appreciate your time and hope you come back and listen for more.